All right, today's daf is daf Lamedches, page 38, in the Hedegim Meseches Nedurim, and we are up to Omar Rav Acha Bar Ado, up to the third line from the top of the Omar, a fascinating and riveting daf. Um, the Omar Aleph is going to continue, go through some of the Agarita Gemaras that we left off with yesterday, and then Bez Hashem for the bottom of our Omar and Omar Bez, we'll get back into the swing of things with Nidarim. All right, so here we go. Yesterday we left off that there are certain things that are all halakha l'mash b'sinais. For example, there are no periods inside of a Sefer Tyrus. So how do you know where to start a Pasuk and end a Pasuk? That's halakha l'mash b'sinai. The Ta'amim, the cantillations, the trup, are also a halakha l'mash b'sinai. Also the Kri and the Ksivs are halakha l'mash b'sinai. So on and so forth. So we're going we're, we're gonna to wrap up that idea over here with one more Yesaid. We're going to quote a Pasuk which interestingly, even though it's Allah Lamash Bisinai, where each Pasuk was, this one apparently was a Shaila. Amar Ravakabar the third line, Ravakabarada says, Bimarov and Erzisral, they they learned the Pasuk of Paskilahadam Puskal Glasapsukum. There's one Pasuk in in, in Sefer Shemais. Um, the Pasuk says, we'll just, I'll read the Pasuk inside, it's Shmais Perak Yutes Pasuk Tes. Now we read it all as one Pasuk, but in Eretz Yisrael they actually divided that Pasuk into three. Okay, so they they split up the whole pasuk. So the Gemara is basically letting us know that you know usually what's interesting is when something's Allah l'mashbisinai, there ain't no conversation. It is what it is. But apparently, this is the only pasuk. If this is one the Gemara is quoting, that there was a uh, a difference in the Messiah as to how Maisha Rabenu taught over the pasuk. Was it one pasuk or is it three psukim? Okay. Now, the Gemara is going to shift back to our original conversation, which is that it's forbidden to take money to teach Torah. And to teach Tyre Shabbat Tyre Shabbat unless you're getting paid for, we had the conversation, whether it's the classroom management, right, the expertise in keeping the kids in check, um, or you're getting paid for the, uh, the t- teaching the trope with the psukim. So here we go. Amar Rabbi Hanin, Rabbi says, How did Maishabin have any cash? He didn't teach any money for, for Tyra. That was our source. You can't teach money for Tyra because Maisha didn't. So then, how do you earn a Parnassa? You know how we earned the Parnassa? From the Psyles, from the leftover carvings of the sapphire Luchai. The Rabbi Shalom tells Maisha to carve out the tablets, which means the Psyles, the leftovers, the carvings out of the sapphire, that belongs to Maisha. Now, keep in mind, all of Klaus Yisrael were wealthy. Now, what's wealth? So we're dealing with, obviously, financial wealth. Now, in the Midbar, you didn't need any cash because the money came down from the heavens and you were taking care of with your clothes. You had all your Gucci stuff that grew with you. You had the top-notch clothing. And they had the, their tents and the Anani covered. They had everything taken care of. All right, so they didn't need it for them. But as far as the world was concerned, they all left with the, with the uh, wealth of Mitzrayim, which by the way, if you think about it, it's fantastic. It's Mamish Mer, the Kazakh. I saw uh, brought down that... Why was, uh, what, what's the aside of when Paro had a dream? I forgot who says this. It's such a beautiful einfall, such a beautiful understanding. You know, Paro has a dream he can't interpret with the cows, the fat cows, the skinny cows. He calls Yosef at Tzaddik and he interpret the dreams. Yosef tells him there's going to be famine and plenty and then famine. So therefore he stocks up Mitzrayim. And it was during this time where the rest of the Middle East had a, became impoverished and Mitzrayim 
happened to be the one that became incredibly wealthy. Why? Because of Yosef HaTzadik understanding and have, seeing the future, right? And knowing, explaining to Pare what's going to happen. So all, the entire Middle East has to give their wealth over to Mitzrayim in order to receive the grain that Yosef had stored up. Guess what happened when Klal Yisrael left Mitzrayim? When we left with the wealth of Mitzrayim, that was all because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, by Paro's original dream, was transferring all the wealth of the world to this one country. And then when Yidin left Mitzrayim, we didn't only leave with the wealth of Mitzrayim, we left with the wealth of the entire Middle East. That was part of their Barishayim's long-term plan. Incredible Zach. So we left Mitzrayim with everything, except for one person, Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? Because he was busy with Atzmas Yosef. He's busy with the bones of Yosef. So where did Moshe Rabbeinu get his wealth from? He got it from the carvings, the leftover from the from the Lucha. Listen, this is wild. When Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Mitzrayim, went up to Shemayim, the plan was, the plan was that the, he could have kept the Torah for himself and his kids. That's the Gabara's Havamina. Don't jump out of your seats. Take it easy. Yeah. But the Torah could have gone to Maisha and his descendants alone. He didn't have to give it to Klal Yisrael. Shinamar, as it says, write it for yourself. Carve for yourself. Just like the carvings are for you. The psalas, the leftovers are for you. So to the writing of the Torah is yours as well. You don't need to give it. However, Maisha was a generous. Maisha was generous. And he decided, I'm not keeping it for my family. I'm going to share this gift with Gans Klal Yisrael. When a person's generous, that's a blessed person. When a person takes what they have and they spread it, they don't want to keep it for themselves. You have something good, something gishmak, something that's mamish life. You spread it, that's the greatest shvach, that's the greatest praise for Maisha, for not keeping it. Sometimes you think you hog, you hog something for yourself, specifically when it comes to ruchnias, when it comes to Torah, you'll gain from it. Fakert, mamish fakert. The more generous you, a person is with anything that they have, specifically when it comes, when you're generous with a, with a person's Torah and a person's uh, it doesn't even, even need to be limited to, to live like a yid, to teach people, uh, to share with people what it means to live like a yid. That's the greatest generosity that we could give. Masibir of Chizr, Chizr says, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Maisha could have kept the Torah. But what? Of course not. Look at the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Maisha says, Hashem commanded me to tell you, to teach you. That means, Maisha says, Hashem commanded me to teach you. I, I couldn't have kept it for myself. Says the Gemara, no, what it means is, Hashem commanded me to keep the Torah, and I'm being generous with you. Okay, says the Gemara, another Pasuk. Maisha says, see today, I'm teaching you all the chukim and mishpatim as Hashem commanded me to do. So again, you see Hashem commanded Maisha to give it to Klai, so he couldn't have kept it for himself. Again, the Gemara answers, Hashem commanded that I do it, and I told, I said to Rabbi Hashem, no, don't only give this, these opportunities for me, I'm passing it on to others. Okay, now you see, Torah is not a list of rules. Torah is a opportunity. Rabbi is being generous with it. There's not like, oh, if I would have had less rules. Unfortunately, you have some people that they're, you know, they don't understand the beauty of a Tariqah lifestyle. They, they feel it's, about, it's restrictions. Fakir, it's not restrictions. Rabbi sees the beauty, the opportunity to, to connect with the Rabbi Shalom on a second-to-second basis. And he says, Rabbi Shalom, I'm going to keep this for myself and my family. I'm going to spread this. I'm going to spread this out. Gans Kal Yisrael. Again, I see Tziva, Hashem originally thought, I could, and then I pass it on to you. Says the Gemara, okay, well, let's keep going. It says in the Torah, write for you, the song, the Lamda Espene Yisrael. So you see the Rabbanu Shalom 
we're adding that in over here, but that's the, that's the end of the posse. Hashem commands Moshe to teach Klai Yisrael. So Moshe couldn't have kept it for himself. Answers the Gemara, Hashira Lechuda. Moshe was gonna, had the rights to keep the whole Torah for himself, but the song, meaning Parshas Hazinu, that's what he was responsible to give over to Klai Yisrael. Says the Gemara, what do you mean? But in that Shira Hazais, the Pasuk says, The purpose of the Shira is to be an aid for B'nai Yisrael. Says the Gemara, listen to this answer, this is rocks, this is beauty. And for the Gemara, last step, Ella Pulpula Ba'alma. Ready for this? All of Klal Yisrael was Zaycha for Tar. All of Klal Yisrael was Zaycha for Mitzvah, straight from the Ba'al But Pilpul, the analysis, the Kishkes, the Lumdis of Tyre and Mitzvahs, that was given to Maisha and his family. Everybody else would have lived a beautiful life. You do it because God says so. But to sit in yeshiva and kach over a stickle turret, to cook over a stickle turret, to sit in dafyami and extrapolate messages and reasons and get the, get the pilpul of Tyre, that Barashim explained it to Maisha. He wasn't responsible or obligated to give that all over to us. All of the, all of the, the, the pilpul that we have nowadays is a chesed, is a generosity of Maisha Rabbeinu. Beautiful. Okay. So this, this idea, we learned before that Maisha Rabbeinu became wealthy. The Gemara asked, Maisha Rabbeinu became wealthy through the carvings of the luchas. Says the Gemara like this, this is now going to take us down to Bez Hashem, to the bottom of Amar Alf. Amar Rabbi Yechidon says, you should know, only rests his shechina. Now the Ran over here kicks in and says this is referring to leadership. The Rabban Shem rests his shechina on, uh, gives somebody the siyat of to be a leader. Ella al-gibar, a leader in Klal Yisrael, a leader of Tyra, must be a gibor, physically strong, v'ashir, wealthy, v'chacham, and wise, v'anav, and humble. V'kula mimaysha, and we know all these things from the very first and greatest leader of Klal Yisrael, now before, who's Maisha Rabbeinu. Now beforehand we had our Abbas, but to be a leader of Klal Yisrael, a leader of the people, and to, once we came, Tachas Kanfei Yashchina, by Golos Mitzrayim, that we all are supposed to look towards Maisha and see what his qualities were, and then we know that those qualities must be conferred onto our own leaders. Now how do we know Maisha Rabbeinu had these four traits of being a gibor, being physically strong, and being wealthy, uh, financially wealthy and being wise and being humble. Here we go. Gibar Dixiv, Ayyifresh Sayyalala Mishkan. He spread out the tent over the Mishkan, Bamar Mar and the Tana taught us Maishra Benu Prasai. Maishra Benu personally spread out the tent over, uh, over the Mishkan. Uksiv, Esar Amas, Erech Akarish Vagaymer. The length of each board, uh, of each beam was, was, uh, um, 10 Amas. Incredibly, incredibly large. So 15 to 20 feet. So that means, Maishra Rabbeinu himself must have been as tall as ten Tfachim, which leads to the joke that they say, how do you know, how do you know that Maishra Rabbeinu was a Satmer Chassid? I know he's a Satmer Chassid. So they, they answered that first you have to know whether he was a Chassidish or a Misnagid. Was he, what was he? So he said, Avadi, he was a Chassid. I mean, a Chassid means you're a pious person. So he was a Chassid. Now, if he's a Chassid, the Shaila is, what type of Shtraimel did he wear? So here's the thing. The, the Mishkan was ten amas tall. Maishir Rabbeinu, they say, was ten amas tall. So Maishir Rabbeinu, there's no way, would have been willing to be higher than the place where the Shekhinah rested. He wouldn't have been willing to be taller than ten amas. Which means he wouldn't have been will, willing to wear a strimal 
that was higher than 10 Amas. What are the two Hasidus that wear platchabibids, flat strimals, this way you can mamish sit flat on your head and not go above, Satmar and Breslev. The thing is, Breslev, not everybody does it. You know, the Breslev, they, they sometimes, they, you know, it, it's not the normal thing. Which Hasidus has the normal platchabibid? Satmar, it must be Meshavino with Satmar Hasid. All right, that's some of the uh, uh, Purim uh, pilpul. That, uh, that they get over here. All right, Lemaisa, Maishabina was a Gibor. He was, he was very strong. Now, Ika uh, says, bottom line is, ask the Gemara, that, uh, says, the Gemara says, that that's how we know he's a Gibor, right? He was able to lift these, crush him, and he is do this all, and spread out the curtains. It was all by himself. Says the Gemara, not necessarily. Ema da'arich v'katan. What you can say is, that maybe Maisha was just tall, but he didn't necessarily, uh, wasn't uniquely strong. Right? A tall person could deal with a taller beam. But to be uniquely strong for his height and have uh, the big biceps and be physically there, yeah? So that? Not necessarily. Says Gemara, you're right. Ella, how do we know Majbena was strong? Ella, and the cross from a Pasuk. What's the best source for anything? A Pasuk. I grabbed the Luchais and I threw them down with my hands, unfortunately, when we were sitting with the, with the Egel, with the golden calf. Mashbin takes Luchas and he throws them down. The Tana and the Braise taught us, Haluchai, Sarkon, Shishav, Rachman, Shishav, Avion, Shloish, six, it was six Tfachim tall, six Tfachim wide, and, I'm sorry, Nachamal. The Archon, the length was Shisha, the Rachman, the width was Shisha, the Avion, and the thickness was Shloish. You have a very large and wide, heavy stone, and what Mashbin do? He took it and he threw that down to the ground. That's how we know Maishah Rabbeinu was physically strong. Okay. Asher had to know he was wealthy. What we learned before. Psalacha, psalason, shalcha, yehei. You get all the psalas. He got the carvings from the sapphire chacham. Had to know Maishah was a chacham. Rabu Shmuel, Dami Tarbayu, Chamishim, Shari, Bino, Nibru, Bible, was 50 gates of wisdom that have been given to the world. Vakulan, Maishah was aware of all them. Chaser Achaz, besides 4-1. And the Mepharshim here explained that is the the full grasp, the first, the full understanding of the Rebbeinu Shalom that no human being can ever reach. Shenamar, as it says, me'at There's a little bit that we're always going to be chaser, a little bit that we're going to be lacking, which is me'alekim, to fully grasp the Rebbeinu Shalom. No human being can grasp this in this world. Besides for that, Moshe Beinu had access to all other 49 gates. Ana v'heino, Moshe Beinu was humble. T'chsev, shteitin pasuk, v'ha'ish Moshe, anav ma'id. The man Moshe, was exceedingly humble. You should know that the same way we said the Shekhinah rests on people who have these four qualities, all Nevi'im were wealthy. They were financially wealthy. They're all taken care of. How do you know that? Know that from Maisha, we know from Shmuel, Hanavi, we know from Amos, Hanavi, and Yaina, Hanavi. All right. What's the source? Here we go. Listen to this. I know Moshe Rabbeinu was wealthy. He says that I never even had to rent a single donkey. Which means I always had enough to, to take care of my stuff. Says the Gemara, I know Moshe didn't need a donkey. Maybe he was so poor, he had nothing for a donkey to carry. He's wealthy. Who says? No, what it means, uh, maybe it means they didn't even, uh, he, he didn't even need to take something for, for payment because he had nothing to travel with. Maybe he was an ani. The original reason that we gave, hey, no, he was wealthy from the, the carving out 
of the Luchais. Psulason Yehishocha, with the sapphire that was carved out of the Luchais, remained in the ownership of Maisha Rabbeinu. Shmuel, Heno Shmuel Anavi, was wealthy. Dechsev Shteyn Pasuk, Hineni, behold now, Anubi Neged Hashem. I'm giving Edus opposite Hashem and Neged Meshicha and opposite his anointed one, Eshar, Mila Kakti V'chamar Did I ever take an ox? Did I ever take a donkey? Now, what do you mean never take an ox donkey? You think Shmuel Anavi is saying, oh, I'm so great, I never stole? I'm taking an oath I never stole? What does that mean? Ibechinam, if it means he never took something without paying for it for free, as opposed to a ganav, somebody who takes things for free. Rather, Shmuel says, I never even took, I never even rented an animal. I, in other words, when do you rent cars when you don't have enough cars? Right now, right now we're, we're giving shear from Pennsylvania. So I rented a car in the airport. And uh, now we're Zaycha to be here on Zoom. Okay? Now, if somebody was exceedingly wealthy, what they'd be able to do is keep a car in every state. Keep a car parked at the parking lot in every airport with the chauffeur waiting. And then you never need to rent a car. Shmonavi was saying, anywhere I went, I push it, I push it. I never needed to, uh, I never needed to rent a donkey. I never lacked any animals. Hertz rent a donkey, he owned it. Yeah, he never had to, he never had to rent for himself. Says Maybe it's because he never owned anything. And that's why he didn't need a, 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 a donkey. He didn't need anything to be schlepped. And so the Gemara, Elam Yehachat, rather learn from here, Shmuel would travel and he would go back to Rama because that's where his house was. Vosmeint, Rav explains that positive to mean, wherever he went, incredible. Wherever he went, he was able to handle having his entire home with him. What does it mean entire home? See, when we travel... And you're going somewhere, so you might stay at a friend. You might stay at family. You might stay in a hotel. It's not going to be the same accommodations as your home. It's not going to have the comfort of your home. Wherever Shmuel went, he had the accommodations that he was used to and from his regular home. That's, that's how you know that Shmuel Hanavi was wealthy. He was able to take, you know, some people when they go away, they're able to uh, afford to make sure that they have any comfort that they're used to is uh, taken care of. Omar Rava Rava says, You should know the Pasuk which we quoted, what, which we said about Shmuel is even greater than we said about Maisha. said never needed to rent a donkey. Even for payment. Yeah, when it came to Shmuel, Shmuel didn't even need to rent a donkey with the owner's willingness. You've never robbed us, you've never taken anything, meaning, even if you don't need it, sometimes you can, you can ask somebody for a favor, you can ask somebody to help you out. By Shmuel, he didn't garnish, he didn't need anybody's help for anything when it came to uh, matters of ownership. Amais. And Amos was wealthy to serve state in Pasuk. By Yan Amos, Amos answered by Yemer, and he said, Ella Matio, he said, Damatio, Le Novi Nechi, Le Benovi Nechi. Very, uh, there's an expression which is commonly used. People say, Oh, you mamish, how'd you know that? You say, Le Novi Nechi, I'm not a prophet. I'm not Benovi Nechi, I'm not the son of a prophet. Keep Baker Nechi, Bailes, Shkamim. Let me tell you something. I am somebody, I understand plantings and I understand trees and I understand, you know, and I deal with, uh, I deal with cattle. Kitimatagim Rebyasif, and Rebyasif explains this to mean, Are mare geise ano vishikbinli bishfelta vigaymer. I own lots of animals, I own lots of sycamore trees, I own all these fancy schmancy expensive types of uh, trees for lumber. 
He had real estate, he had animals, plenty, plenty of, of wealth. Uh, so that's how we know Amais was wealthy. Yaina Dixit, Heno Yaina was wealthy. He paid for the boat, and he went down onto the boat. Okay, He went down to the dock. And he got on the boat, and Rabbi Yechidon says, ready? Look at the Pasuk, it says, look at that. He paid its fare, its cost. He paid the cost of the entire boat. Okay? He got onto the boat and he said, this one's on me. This one's on me. One of my sisters, when she went to Eretz Yisrael for seminary, so she got onto a tender in, uh, in Tel Aviv to go to Yerushalayim. And um, she was the second person on a tender. Now a tender, what they usually do is you pay, what, I don't know what they charge now, 70 shekel, 100 shekel per person. You, they wait for it to fill up. And then they go and you drop off. So she gets to the tender, she's the second person there. Okay? So she's going to pay what, however much it is. And then um, Mordechai ben David hops into the tender and he says, just go, I'll cover the rest. Yeah, I got it. He apparently had a concert that uh, his flight was, the flight was a stickle delayed and he had to get there uh, ASAP to make his prep. He gets there, he's like, I got this one, let's go. We're not, uh, we're not waiting around. I don't know if there was no uh, taxi there for him, but he gets on and he's, you know, so they had, uh, she said she was able to get to seminary a little faster. Uh, she didn't need to uh, wait around. So, so Yaina gets on the boat and he says, I got this. I'm covering the shara, the entire fare of the ship. I'm a, I'm a Rebbe Rumanus. Rebbe Rumanus says, Wow, to pay for an entire ship is like, kind of like chartering a plane. Yeah, it was 4,000 dinners of gold. And a, not, a, not a plane, eh, that, that's a hop, skip, and a jump. Eh, a private jet from the United States. You know what I mean? It's a lot of money. He learned the Torah and he forgot it. Every single day the Rebbe Hashem taught him Torah. And he forgot at the end of the day, and he had to start again the next day. Eventually, the Rabban Shem had to give it to him as a gift. As it says, Rabban gave it to Moshe when he completed speaking with him. Now, what's the message in this, Chavar? This is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Moshe Rabbeinu was wise. He still couldn't contemplate and understand, he still couldn't grasp the entire Torah. Asks Frekt Rav Pam Levracha. If Moshe Rabbeinu was going to forget it every day, why did Rabban Shem keep it there for 40 days? Give it to him on day number one. The first time he forgot, Rabban Shem should have said, okay, yeah, taka, a human mind can't grasp this. I'll give it to you. Go back. Go back downstairs. But you got to keep him up for 40 days. And for Rav Pam, even when you forget your Tyra, every time the Tyra goes through you, you're developing Das Tyra. It's purifying your guf, your nefesh, your neshama, and that's what Moshe Rabbeinu had to go through. And that's why Rabbi at the end of 40 days, Seder. The Rabbi then, at that point where his mind was developed to think like Torah. Now, that's Torah doesn't just come by learning to understand Torah. It comes through cooking in Torah, through Amelus. They're being involved in Torah. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu had to experience. Rabbi knew he wasn't going to grasp it. Doesn't matter. You could forget your learning. You could forget what you learned yesterday in Yeshiva. You could forget what you learned last week in Yeshiva. It doesn't mean you're not being Matzliach. It went through your head. So it's good. It's went through your head. You're developing a mind molded by Torah. Beautiful. End of that fascinating and riveting Agatha Gemara. We now get to the next Mishnah, right back into 
Nidorim. Here we go. Vizonis Ishtoi Vezbonov. I said, Ruvain says to Shimon, you cannot benefit from me. Ruvain can still feed Shimon's family. I just can't give direct benefit to Shimon, but I can feed Shimon's wife and children. Even if Shimon is the one responsible to take care of his wife and kids, I could still fill that void. Now you might think otherwise. Because well, I would say like this, if Shimon is mechoyev to feed his wife and kids, isn't that called benefit? I'll tell you a quick story, a quick uh, uh, family story. My grandparents, I believe my father's parents, um, my Zaidi Isaac and Bubby Bella Tendler, they were very involved in making and sending Pesach packages to soldiers overseas, U.S. soldiers overseas. It might be on my mother's side or my father's. I'm a little confused now. I don't get the whole story about it. The, the, the message is the same. They asked one of my grandfathers why you're sending it if anyway the soldiers are also going to be eating chametz. They're going to be eating chametz. Why are you going to send a Pesach package with matzah? They're not keeping Pesach. And the response was, and I forget which grandfather responded. He's my mother's father, my father's father. I believe both of them, you know, were involved in, in chesed. Thank you. This. They said it's true, but the more pesach dika food they have in their stomachs, the less chametz you're able to eat. The stomach is limited. So let, either way, we're going to send the pesach food. Hopefully, they'll eat some of it, and then they'll eat less chametz. That's also a zach. So it's, it's not all or nothing. So that's why this mission is a chiddush. You say, Ruvain says, Ruvain says, Shimon, you cannot benefit from me. You're still allowed to feed the wife and kids. We say, maybe that's benefit to Shimon because now his wife and kids aren't eating as much and he's saving him, he's saving some money. The Mishnah says that's Pesedon. It's still okay. We'll get into the Gemara as to why. However, Ruvain cannot feed the animals of Shimon, whether it's a kosher animal or whether it is a non-kosher animal. Okay? Now, the Mepharshim here explain, and again, the Gemara is going to explain all this. The difference between animals and humans is that the heavier a human gets does not add value to the human. The heavier an animal gets adds value to the animal. Memela, any little bit of food that enters this behemoth is going to add direct benefit to Shimon. You can only feed the animals that are non-kosher. If you use non-kosher animals, yeah. But he's not allowed to feed any kosher animals, which we'll explain right now. Says Gemara, Amru, they said, I don't understand. Which means, as long as it's still alive, you're not allowed to eat it. It belongs in heaven. A human being is, it, it, is not allowed to eat it. But once you shecht it, the goof, the body, then becomes his. It never, first it's not yours, and then it is yours. However, utmeya, by a non-kosher animal, top of Ahmed Beis, both of it, a yid, is never allowed to eat. Whether it's alive, whether, it's, whether it was slaughtered, it doesn't make enough kamina. And since the owner can never eat the animal, it's not considered like he's receiving direct benefit. Amrulai, aftemeya, and that was Rabbi Lezer's reasoning. Again, Rabbi Lezer says, you cannot feed the kosher one, you could feed the non-kosher one. Okay? Um, 
I'm sorry, Fakert, you, right, yeah, yeah. You could feed the Tamea, I'm sorry, you could feed the Tamea, you cannot feed the kosher one because the kosher one ultimately becomes his. Nacham said, uh, and Nacham said, there's no nafkamina. Why? So it says Gemara, Amrulai, Aftamea, even a non kosher animal. Once it's shechted, it does become yours, so it's a problem. Why? Once you shecht a non kosher animal, guess what? You could feed it to your animal, to your dogs. You could sell it to a Muslim. You could sell it. And you could also, it, it, benefit doesn't have to be that I, could, that, I could, that I could put it in my mouth. Benefit is I can make use of it. Sometimes I don't want to eat my things. So I'll go sell it on eBay. You got, go sit. That's also considered benefit. Mamela, even a non-kosher animal, is going to be a problem. Okay, beautiful. Beautiful machlekes. We hear the two tzadim, the two sides. Let's get into the Gemara. Zok the Gemara, four lines from the top of Lamed Chesabar Beis. Um, Rav Yisrael Bachananya, Omar Rav Huvuvuna. Rav Yisrael Bachananya says in the name of Rav Huna, Hamaydar na mechavera. If somebody makes a nadar, forbidding benefit to his friend, Mutter lahasias bitoi. You're allowed to marry your daughter to him. So Ruvain says to Shimon, "You cannot benefit from me." And then Ruvain's daughter really likes Shimon. Is it allowed? Are you allowed to marry off your daughter to Shimon? Says the Gemara, yeah. Now, if you look at the words, I just explained the case, but if you look at the words, it just says, mutter lahasi loy bitay. It's mutter for him to marry his daughter. Does it mean it's mutter for Shimon to marry Reuben's daughter? Does it mean it's mutter for Reuben to marry off his daughter to Shimon? We explained it's mutter for Reuben to marry off his daughter to Shimon, but let's receive that in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Havi Bar of Zira was trying to figure out, but my asking what's the story? If the Nechassim of the Kala's father, is what's forbidden Shimon, meaning Ruvain, the, the papa of the girl. His property is usher to Shimon, if that's the case. I don't understand why it's allowed to marry off your daughter. There are certain responsibilities that a wife has to a husband and that has real financial value, as we've discussed earlier in the Dharam. Right? There's real financial value that any wife or mother brings to the home, which if you think about it, adds up. Now, obviously, we don't get married because, because of this value, but the reality is any homemaker is going to bring value of tens of thousands of dollars to a family between the cooking and the child rearing and the child watching. And throughout the day, there's real value. So why would it be permitted for Ruvain to, allow, to give over his daughter to Shimon? The case must be where Shimon's property is usher on Ruvain. And over there we say that still Shimon's allowed to marry Ruvain's daughter. Why? Because the Chiddush here is that Ruvain is now going to remove, Ruvain's responsibility to his daughter is going to be removed by Shimon taking her in. So maybe that's considered a gain for Ruvain. The Chiddush here is that no. It's not considered, you're, you're allowed to marry. G'daylo mizuam, we're going to be a greater Chiddush than this. We said, Zonas ishtay bezbanov. Our Mishnah says, Ruvain can still feed Shimon, if Shimon's also to benefit from Ruvain, Ruvain can feed Shimon's family. Even though Shimon's chayev to feed his wife and kids, you're going to tell me, you're allowed to marry his daughter. Why do you got to teach me Allah? It's not even a Chiddush. Answers the Gemara, really the case is, where Ruvain, the father of the girl's property, is usher on Shimon. So why is Shimon allowed to marry Ruvain's daughter? Isn't that considered gain? Listen to this. I'll tell you why. Ruvain's daughter is, is 15 years old. She's 20 years old. 
So she's her own person. She's not owned by Reuven. She's her own person. So she says, I like Shimon. I'm going to marry him. I, Shimon can't benefit from Reuven. I get in tug. I'm not yours, the daughter says. I'm going to marry. If Shimon is not allowed to benefit from Reuven, Reuven cannot give over his daughter who's a katana to Shimon because that's considered benefiting Shimon. However, if Reuven's daughter is a gudayla, she's a begaris, then Shimon, there's no issue, he's allowed to marry her. All right, here we go. Zok to Gemara, let's get up to the Mishnah. Omar Rabbi Yankiv. Rabbi Yankiv says, A person makes a nether that his, he, he wants that he should never benefit from his son so that his son can sit and learn in Kailal. You have a father who's, we'll call it, very, feeling very spiritual. Feeling very spiritual. And he says, I want my son to only focus on his Torah learning. And therefore, I'm making a vow, I should never benefit from him. Because by this, I'll make sure that I never ask him for any favors, I never take him away from the book. I never pull him out of yeshiva for a chasna. He could choose whatever. He, I'm never pulling away. The son is still allowed to have kiburav to fill up a cup of water for his father to light his camp to, and, and to light his candle. He could even make him some herring. Yeah, he could uh, fry him some fish. Now, what's this referring to? This is gishmak. This is referring to standard daily activities that every child should be offering to do for their parent. This is not considered like you're pulling your child away from learning. Now, it still might be usher to tell your child, I insist, if once you made a vow, I still, you still might be afraid to tell your child, you know, I insist you come home for the Shabbos and this and that, fine. But to do a daily activity, the son should still be filling up a cup of water for his father. This daily stuff, it's not distracting him from his limit of terror. Somebody forbids benefit from his friend. He's allowed to give him a cup of shalom. Psh, cup of peace. Says the Gemara, mind you, what is a cup of peace? Here in Yeshiva and Bavel, they explained it to mean. It's a house of, it's a cup from a house of Avelis. Okay. There were, um, we learned uh, in the, our previous Mesechta, that in Ksubis, that there were some, uh, by the meal, when a person's in Avelis, there were 10 cups of wine that they would uh, give them to drink. There was a minna, there was a whole process that they had during the Seuda. So even though it's Aser, to uh, benefit, but this, you're allowed to pour one of the cups. They said, you're allowed to pour him uh, a cup of a, bat, a bathhouse, which was kind of like an energy drink that they would give people after they went to a Schwitz to, um, to uh, kind of reinvigorate them as they left the hot bathhouse. Okay. Says the Gemara Viter. Last piece of Gemara before the Mishnah. You're not allowed to feed the animals. The, Rebbe Lezer, um, the, the Mishnah had said, whether it's a kosher animal or a non-kosher animal. That was the Chachamim. Rebbe Lezer argued. Sorry, Yeshua from Uza says, The one who made the neder is still permitted to feed the servants of this guy, even though he can't feed animals. My timer, again, what's the nafkamina? 
between feeding the guys avodim and shvachos and feeding his animals answers the Gemara avodah b'shivchosov his male servants and his female servants haknanim lemenacharusa avdinon lemenacharusa avdinon means that they were you know <laughs> they it basically leads to their detriment if they eat too much. Nacharusa is, it's a very strong expression. The Mepharshimir explained, it's an expression of like overfeeding to a point where it's like dangerous. They're like, their bodies get torn apart. Over here, what it means is, if your Eved and Shifcha eat too much, you ever eat too much? You can't work afterwards. You're tired, you're lazy, you're grouchy, you need a bed. So when Avadim Ushvachas, what happens is, Beseder, it's fine. The, guy, the guy's not getting because he's going to give them their own meal. Now they have better food, more for Beseder. It's not, not considered direct benefit. But Behema, by an animal, ultimately, same Svara. What happens? Lefituma Avida, the more an animal eats, the fatter it gets, the fatter an animal is, the more, the more uh, value is being given. Hence, that would be considered direct value for the animal owner and its usher to feed, uh, it will be usher to feed the animals. Okay? Beautiful. Uh, end of the Gemara. We're up to the Mishnah, two lines from the bottom. You know what? Let's start the Mishnah and then we'll, re- we'll, we'll restart on Matzi Shabbos. Just a very short Mishnah. A person who forbids benefit from his friend. And then his friend to come sick. You want to visit him. You shouldn't sit in your friend's house. Stand next to his bed. Don't sit down. Then you're benefiting from him. You can go give Chizuk. But you cannot spend money on the healing process for him. All right, that's always the Mishnah. That's the end of today's daf. Tomorrow we will chazer the Mishnah and start um, and start tomorrow's daf from Daf Lametes. Have a wonderful, fantastic Shabbos, everybody.